We are back, kicking off the 5 o'clock hour. It's Jimmy B and TC on 1700 KBGG. Football getting closer and closer. More preseason games happening tomorrow night. We got the Kansas City Chiefs here coming up on on a Friday evening, Jimmy B. And uh, mm-hmm. getting closer and closer to that time. In fact, Friday night, Jim Brinson, if you're looking for something to do, boy, do I have some matchups, football matchups for you. How about you make your way really? over... To Springville, where Winfield Mount Union makes an appearance in a player football. Maybe, well, this is a short drive for you, just up to Collins Maxwell. Iowa Valley Marengo will be in town in that epic matchup. Maybe a drive down to Montezuma. You can see Southeast Warren make the road trip over there. Jimmy B, we have real live football games that count. Week zero in high school football Friday night. I can tell that you are excited about this, pal, as the high school fever gets underway. And you will be right in the middle of all of it once again uh, with high school action every Friday night right here on 1700. So I, I know that you're putting your schedule together. Yeah. What, what are you going to offer up the listeners here for everybody? Well, week one, I will not be doing a week zero game. No trip to Springville for me. I will be uh, at home for the final time on a Friday night until we get through the Unidome and we get to Thanksgiving weekend. But week one, August 24th, it's the Battle of Ankeny. Ankeny Centennial against Ankeny High. Hawks and Jaguars. Looking forward to that one week one. Week two, the annual matchup with Valley Dowling. This year, Jim, that game's being played over at Drake Stadium. Should be real mm. cool to uh, see yeah. that one over at the big stadium. Looking forward to that one. And then the schedule rolls from there, Jimmy B. Every Friday night, 7 to 11 o'clock. Play-by-play of the Central Iowa Game of the Week. And then afterwards, our scoreboard show all the way till 11 o'clock with scores from across Central Iowa and across the state of Iowa each and every Friday night. You are a man who never rests. <laughs> never rests through the summer because you're doing the high school baseball action, including the tournament. Never rests through the fall and into the winter because you're doing high school football. Never rests through the winter because you always pick up a couple of high school basketball games and tournament games. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. The Wellness Clinic has done wonders for you. <laughs> it has. I'm feeling rever- ready to go for this football season, Jim. And, <laughs> you know, on the local front from the high school to the colleges and just the anticipation of this year. As you look yeah. at both Iowa and Iowa State, big expectations for both of those programs. And, you know, one thing that I, that I have been wondering, if if there was any other program in the Big 12 that did what Iowa State did a year ago, going down to Norman, beating Oklahoma, handing them their only loss of the regular season, beating a top-five TCU team, winning a bowl game, and returning as much talent as Iowa State does, they'd be picked a lot higher than seventh in the country. It's just the name Iowa State, right? I think so. I think you're right. I just think that they've been uh, a, a downtrodden program for so long, with the exception of, you know, a season here or a season there where they made a run and got into a bowl game, Trent. I, I, I just think they, they don't have any, any cachet. For an, for an example, you could have somebody like Nebraska is down, but yet Nebraska still has nationally cachet. So writers will, and broadcasters across the country will go, oh yeah, the Cornhuskers, oh yeah, 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 they've been, they've been okay the last few years. Yeah, we, yeah, we'll pay attention to them now with Scott Frost. 
But Iowa State hasn't had that. Yes, they made the Pinstripe Bowl and, and a couple of others, and they have sent some players to the NFL. You're right about that. But it just hasn't been anything to make people stand up and really pay attention. And I think now, with what they did last year that you just talked about, Oklahoma and TCU, a win in Memphis at the Liberty Bowl against the home team, Memphis, so it was like a home game there. And now, with all that returning talent, including a quarterback and a running back, who a lot of people think is going to be a first-round draft choice coming out uh, in uh, 2019 in Montgomery, I, I just think that that is probably why, Trent, that they don't get the national recognition. If they open up at 3-0 and and they knock off the Hawks in Kinnick, I think that will turn a few heads and people will start to recognize them then. If they lose to the Hawks in, in Kinnick and they're 2-1, and I, I think it will stay the way it has been, national. All right, it's, it's wait and see. It's Iowa State. They're 2-1, and one, though, Jim. That means that they have a win against either Iowa or Oklahoma. In the opening of the season? Yes. Because the week, first three games, week, yes. Week three, they play Oklahoma. Play Oklahoma, yes. Right. They're 2-1. and one. They're in good shape. They're, they're in good shape. All right, let me take that back then, because I forgot they're I forgot <laughs> bring, they're playing Oklahoma game three. Yeah, before and before then they have Akron. another team. Yeah, then they before have Akron. Akron. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Thank you for that. I appreciate. <laughs> I that. gotta help and you out sometime. Right. I I need help. I need help. Look, if if they beat Oklahoma again, I, I that will that will slingshot them into the top twenty-five immediately. A win over if they are three and zero, Trent meaning that they have beaten Iowa on the road and beaten Oklahoma, they are in the freaking top 25, and everybody once again will be talking about Iowa State nationally. Iowa State, it's all in front of them. What What's the concern for you? I, I've kind of laid out here uh, a few concerns that I do have. This is as mm-hmm. talented as a team as I can remember. We've talked about what they can do with the defense and how much improvement we saw on that side of the football last year. What's the one thing that we'll look back upon after we get through and we're looking back at the season in December and they slip to a 5-7? and seven? What, What's the thing that would keep you up at night if you're a Cyclone fan? I would probably tell you right now it's two things. One, offensive line, and two, wide receivers. Now, I know that everybody's going to say, well, they got all these guys coming back, plus the tight ends. Yes, they do. But a guy who got double covered on every play in Alan Lazard is now playing in the National Football League in Jacksonville. So now it's up to somebody else to be that guy or two guys to be that guy or three guys that, Kemp can spread the ball around to to be successful through the air. Look, I would think that most teams are going to take a look at it and say, all right, we know you have David Montgomery. He's a terrific running back. We're going to stack the box every once in a while here and make sure he doesn't get his yardage and force you to throw the football. Well, if that was the case last year, Alan Lazard is going to catch the ball for you. They don't have him now. And the offensive line... I think, is going to be under so much pressure, A, to open holes for Montgomery, if they are indeed stacking the box from time to time, 
or B, just trying to keep blitzes and pass rush away from the quarterback in Kemp when he drops back to throw. Those are my two concerns uh, right now for Iowa State. The A couple other things that, that I look at is, first, special teams. Iowa State a year ago won a lot of close games. You're replacing your punter, who had a very good career throughout his time yes. at Colin Downing, and Garrett Owens was the guy a season ago. You're looking at a new kicker. Suddenly those games that you're winning, 14-7, to 7, the games that you're winning, the tight ones that you'd anticipate you're going to have to win, a couple of bad kicks, uh, field position battle, something like that goes awry, you're going to be in a little bit of trouble. So I, I don't know how good we're going to see right away from Braden Neverson, Narvison, but he's he's a freshman. Regardless of how talented yep, it is, yep. it takes a while. You know, you go back and you look at some great collegiate kickers, and you know, I always think here locally of Nate Kading. Nate Kading early in his career, he struggled. He struggled mightily yep. between, between turning into the best kicker in college football for two consecutive years, his junior and senior year. It can take a while to get to that point. So I think that's one thing that you have to look at. And another another part that I'm very interested in seeing. So last year, they went back after the loss to Iowa and reinvented themselves on the defensive side of the football. They went out with that cloud look, you know, the 3-3-5 the three, three, formation. Right. It, it, was, it was something that not a whole lot of Big 12 teams have seen. They did something completely different, and because of that, there wasn't a whole lot of tape of it. Well, now this offseason, as coaches are going through, looking at tape, Big 12 coaches are going to look to find a way, how do we solve this puzzle that Iowa State put in front of us a year ago. Iowa State made the adjustments last year. Now the other coaches are going to be making adjustments themselves. And suddenly that cloud look that we saw a year ago just isn't quite what it was a season ago. And I don't think it's a stretch to think that that very well could happen. Big 12, year after year, the prolific offenses that they have, you got to figure they're going to be able to find a crack in that D. You would think so. I mean, look, they don't they don't pay these coaches millions of dollars a year for nothing. Mm-hmm. So they are indeed going to come up with ways to attack that specific defense. I, I just think, Trent, that I believe that if Iowa State is going to have success this season, they are going because and you and you said it well, the prolific offenses that are in the Big Twelve they are going to have to become one of those prolific offenses as well. And I know that they had some really good stops last year with that defense. I think you are right. Now there's enough tape on it where coaches can indeed make some adjustments. And there's going to be a couple of games this season where they will have to outscore their opponent. Everybody says, well, whoever has the, whoever wins the game has outscored their Yes, but let's define outscoring the opponent. You're going to have to win some games at 37 to 30. You're you're going to mm-hmm. you're not going to win games 27 to 14, and your defense is going to lock down some of these other offenses in the Big 12. And I believe that you are correct. It's an astute observation on your part about the video that is now available on that defense. And we'll have to see as well how much they have tweaked that defense to maybe disguise it from time to time, too. One uh, other one I want to throw out there. And this goes back to conversations that we were having after the season. Kyle Kemp was uh, going and putting together, you know, his... uh, his right to play for a sixth season. And mm-hmm. it didn't look like it was a very compelling case compared to some of the others we heard. It wasn't injuries. It was, well, the coaches didn't play me. I should get a sixth year. Well, it worked. 
he, he's back for his sixth season. Yeah. But yeah. at that time, there were some Iowa State people that I talked with that this isn't to demean Kyle Kempt, but I think people were very excited to see Zeb Nolan because by the end of last mm-hmm. season, and they won that bowl game like you talked about against Memphis, but right. he right. was struggling. He's never going to be a guy that you're talking about slinging around. Arm strength is not one of the strengths of Kyle Kempt. He was throwing some knuckleballs out there by the end of the season. And if it goes awry, and all the plays that he was able to make a year ago, he's a step late. Guys are a step earlier defensively against him. And he, and he struggles this season. How quick of a leash there will be there to bring in a guy like Zeb Nolan or to see Real Mitchell a little bit, you know, his ability to come in right away and get some playing time. That That's one thing that I wonder about if that is a decision that is going to be put on the coaching staff, Kyle Kempt, great story, but he's been a backup basically his whole career. If that magic pixie dust isn't there, how quickly they'd be willing to make a change. I think if they're comfortable with what they have seen from Nolan and Real Mitchell, I got a feeling that you're going to see Real Mitchell on the field in, in, in some sort of package that they can utilize what he can do with his legs. I just think that's going to happen in kind of like what they did with Joel Lanning a little bit. Mm-hmm. I just think that I think I think that's going to be a part of their offensive game plan. I don't think Trent that they would be in a hurry to pull the plug on Kemp, but on the other hand, if things were looking dire, I think indeed that Matt Campbell is not going to play favorites. And he will indeed insert Nolan into that lineup to see if he can shake something up and get something going. If they're struggling in the first half and they can't get any offense going at all, or Kemp is not having a good day, he's been picked off once or twice or fumbled a couple times, something like that where things just aren't working out, man, I could see that change coming at halftime. I I really can. I, I just think that Matt Campbell is a guy who is in it to win it, and he's in it to win it with the guys that can deliver that victory. And if you got a guy who all of a sudden is indeed struggling, and you got another guy that you think, all right, look, I, I saw what Saban did in the national championship game when he changed quarterbacks at halftime. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the same thing. I mean, it takes balls. It really does. But as I said, that's why they make millions of dollars to be a head coach. Going to be a fun season. Looking forward to it a lot on Iowa State and Iowa coming in the coming weeks. September 1st, Iowa, Northern Illinois, Iowa State against South Dakota State. This portion of the program brought to you by Wolf Construction Roofing. You're in the market as we come towards the end of the summer. Have a leak. Maybe it's time for that complete re-roof. Give the guys a Wolf Construction a call today. And find more information online at wolfconstruction.net. So, Jim... We're going to talk a little NFL coming up on the other side. Our buddy Sean Tomlinson set to join us. And Jimmy B, this football season upcoming here, I thought uh, was ratcheted up with the story released by GQ today with Jalen yes. Ramsey. And <laughs> talking about quarterbacks, he was talking like a fan, though. I absolutely loved it. <laughs> I, I got a kick out of all of it. What did you think? I I found it to be interesting. I really didn't take it real serious because some of his observations are ridiculous. 
but that does sound like some drunken fan at the uh, refreshment stand. And I don't think he was hammered when he did the interview. I just think he decided, okay, they're going to ask me all these guys. I'm going to have some fun with it. So I, I, I found it interesting, um, but I really didn't take it all that seriously. It'll be, it'll be fun to see when the real games begin and if players respond to it then at that time. You know the question's going to be asked every week when one of these quarterbacks oh, sure. comes up and, and they're playing yep. Jacksonville. You know it's going to be a question that's asked. I, I thought a lot of fun and looking forward to that. We'll get into that a whole lot more coming up on the other side. We're talking NFL with Bleacher Report. Sean Tomlinson next as we take you up until 6 o'clock tonight. Back with more Jimmy B and TC. Welcome back, everybody. We have now moved to the National Football League, and it's always fun when we get a chance to chat with Sean Tomlinson. Bleacher Report, National Football League. He joins us right now on the Big Talker 1700. I'm not going to waste any time here, Sean. <laughs> I'm not even going to say hello to you. I want to know what you thought of Jacksonville's Jalen Ramsey as he comes out and he trashes quarterbacks, although he did say because Jacksonville is playing Minnesota on Saturday in the second NFL exhibition game, I think he did say uh, something nice about Kirk Cousins. Go ahead. Let me have it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I guess first off, it seems like he wasn't just ripping quarterbacks like everybody. I'm just happy that I escaped his rap and... and so did you guys? It, it, that, that, that's that's probably a good thing. Uh, listen, I think I think football needs this. I think football needs just an injection of personality. I, I listen. I, I'm not a big like. I, I'm sort of a casual NBA guy. But what I when I sort of follow that sport a bit, there's just so much that happens away from the court. There, I think honestly, part of it's to do with the fact that football players wear helmets. But we just know them better, those players, and. With, with the NFL, there's a bit of a cardboard feel a little bit. Yeah, like, yes, we're all into the games, but beyond that, we just want to get engaged beyond just the sort of, um, you know, sort of mundane storylines that, that we have. And, and right now, it's it's fun seeing Ramsey be honest and, and frank and say things that really, I mean, think about the sort of quotes you get after, you know, after a game from the Patriots, for example, or Russell Wilson, who says a lot, while actually saying nothing, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I find it engaging to have a player who's not afraid to say something, and not. And, and we're so afraid of this cliche of bulletin board material. Well, so what? If a quarterback goes and roasts Jalen Ramsey, I'm now I'm sure he'll tip his cap, and uh, that's that. But but yeah, and what stood out to me too is yeah, obviously the the ripping quarterbacks, drawing headlines, but he made some comments about his own quarterback, saying that. In the AC Championship game, they should have trusted Blake Bortles more, right? And you know the the Jaguars have really no, no, no trust in him whatsoever. I think you know it, it would probably be good. I, I'm not sure they trust him to go against even their own defense in practice at this point. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it could get ugly. He he did say that playoff Blake is pretty good though. Playoff Blake is a, a different guy when he's talking about his own quarterback there in Blake Bortles. So as you go through the different quarterbacks and names that he brought up, I agreed with almost everything that he said. Joe Flacco right now, I agree he sucks. That, that guy is not the same guy that won a, won a Super Bowl. Josh he should Allen, not be starting. Yeah, I, Josh Allen, I also think he's trash, as he called him. I, I'm on the same boat. There wasn't, as I was reading through, it was funny, it was entertaining, it was interesting, but Sean, I don't think outside of probably the Matt Ryan one, I don't think there was a huge reach of what he was saying. 
No, the one that sort of tweaked me, or um, when he called, uh, it, was, it was Goff, and someone else is against me right now, but he said that they're, they're a system quarterback. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I think, you know, I, I think that, that, sort of get, that, that expression gets thrown around often as sort of an insult. I think every quarterback, the system quarterback, to to some degree. I mean, yes, they they are, you know, p- uh, talent stands on its own. Obviously, for example, at the very top, Aaron Rodgers is I- incredible. But every quarterback, it's a coach's job to put him in a position to succeed. So, are we taking something away from Goff because Sean McVay has has put him in a great spot, and Sean McVay is his offensive genius? Goff still has to execute. It's not like he's just this throwing a robot out there um so i i i think he's still effective and 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 playing well and and playing within that system and that takes talent too um i thought it was funny that uh alex smith so he went through his whole schedule essentially right and, mm-hmm. and he's like i don't know much about him and like alex smith he's like he's sort of the vanilla ice cream of quarterbacks right it's it just like nobody has it seems like has a strong opinion one way or the other on Alex Smith outside of Chiefs fans. <laughs> He's like, I, I, he has these incredibly spicy takes on players throughout the week, but then he's like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it was interesting. I mean, that's the only way that I, I, I could view it. I'm sure that there's going to be plenty of backlash on that article, but Hey, it is what it is. He came out and he was asked those questions and he gave an answer. And at least it gave us something to really discuss today, which wasn't really in the cards. But I do find it kind of interesting that now in game two, we're going to get a chance to see some players who didn't participate in game one of preseason play going to see rogers going to see brady uh you're going to you're going to get more of the uh star attractions coming up here uh beginning thursday night yeah i and and that that, that's how it should be you 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 ease in of course i think that some of these guys have reached the point you you mentioned rogers and, and brady specifically how many preseason reps do you really need? I mean, I, it's there. There isn't really any scheme change there. Obviously, you want to, you know, get get in the flow to to some degree, but also there's just such a significant injury risk. Of, of course, and we've already seen a couple of big names go go down. Um, I and and you know, especially Brady. These guys aren't young anymore, so. You know, I, I, you know, and, and we treat next week like the preseason dress rehearsal. We we always hear every, every year we we go through that with the stars typically play one half. I am just as a fan of any of those teams. I am just I would be just so incredibly terrified, like constantly. Because you think back last year, even during the the the, the season when when you had guys like Watson going down and et cetera. It just August is such a scary scary time. You got to walk this line, you know, this fine line between uh, getting guys that flow, getting the momentum going, and just you know, watching through your fingers and, and hoping that nothing awful happens and something doesn't tear or break. So, uh, yeah, but football tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're, we're getting there. We're getting there, and we're getting to see some of these preseason games. A lot of guys see some starters throughout the first uh, quarter of a lot of them. Want to take a wrap around here, the local front for us. Kansas City, Chicago, Green Bay, 
and Minnesota. Those are uh, the teams surrounding us that are our most important in our market, Sean. Starting in Chicago, the most newsworthy of the four teams here this week as Raquan Smith finally signs his contract. Everything's well and good. Should we anticipate he's going to be ready to go by week one in, in the opener against Green Bay? I really think so. I don't think we're getting so, uh, like, say, a Joey Bosa situation where I remember two years ago he, he was right up against camp or at the, the end of camp, or, uh, and he had to really set out a week, then he really wasn't himself. Then he, like, when you think about that example, that may have cost the Chargers a playoff spot because they were so close that season. Uh, we're still in the middle of August here. In fact, smack dab in the middle uh, about three weeks and change away from the beginning of the regular season. Uh, you know, perhaps he's not getting his full complement of snaps quite right away in week one, maybe, but I, I, I think it would be just fine. And really, I, I, he has defensive rookie year potential. I, I really do believe that. He's at his size, how he moves, that sideline-to-sideline player, uh, I, I think he'll be a, a really impressive and, and fun guy to watch, and I think he can be an immediate um, d- d- difference maker. Uh, let's go then to uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, maligned so far at training camp with the picks, apparently, that he has thrown. Uh, what do you anticipate uh, out of Mahomes now in Game 2? I listen. I, I think what we what we have there, and, and this is the case with with any young quarterback, just a guy adjusting to to the, the speed of the game. And I know that teams and fans and coaches, everybody wants that adjustment to go quickly. But sometimes it doesn't, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I, I always say it: you can have all the physical gifts you want, but the mental aspect of being a starting quarterback is just so daunting. No matter how much you prepare for it. And, and you know, being in there is, is, is something different. But what, what the promise, where, where the promise lies with Mahomes is that he has such a strong arm uh, that he can often make up for his own mistakes immediately. Like a, a lot of windows that other quarterbacks wouldn't even think about, he can power it through there. Now maybe the risk is he gets a bit too comfortable doing that and there are too many balls going the other way. But, you know, if you throw a couple picks this week, I, I, I don't think there's... You know, let's ease up on mashing those panic buttons. You know, it's it's preseason. It's a time to experiment and test your limits. And that's what he's doing now. That's what he's doing in training camp. Uh, And there will be some some peaks and valleys with him, just like any rookie quarterback. But he's going to be a heck of a lot of fun to watch, I think, just like that entire offense. Yeah, that, that big arm with him. And we saw Kareem Hunt a year ago and the numbers that he was able to put up. You got Kelsey, weapons all over the place. How much better are the Chiefs going to be defensively, though? That that remains a concern. Safety position, Eric Berry's been sitting out as he's trying to come back. He's got a heel injury. Of course, the injury that he had a, la- a year ago. And then on the other side, the other safety spot, Daniel Sorensen, who I thought was pretty good in his place a year ago, he's out. He's going to miss the next six to eight weeks. Best case scenario. Wasn't a very good defense last year from Kansas City. What kind of strides are they going to make on that side of the football? Yeah, I, I think... That unit is an example of how quickly things can change in the NFL. Think yeah. back, even just the beginning of last year and definitely two years ago, it's one of the most dominant deep, deep defenses in the, in the entire league, and specifically the pass rush. You know, how, having Justin Houston as prime coming off the edge, uh, it just, you know, it, it made quarterbacks get, have just a fraction of a second at all times. Now that pass rush is taking a step back. 
and it leaves that secondary exposed, right? And it just sort of that domino effect. And there's a reason why, as, as you mentioned, those, those injuries uh, that the Chiefs are poking around Skandrick and perhaps bringing him in, that's, that's, that's something that's being talked about. The hope with the Chiefs, I think, this year is if Patrick Mahomes is even, say, 75% of what you want him to be, and everybody else in that offense keeps producing a high level, the hope, I think, is to, to win some shootouts. Let's, let's be re- realistic here, and then you can keep pace for perhaps the, the wild card and, and, and make the – I think that is the Chiefs' path to the playoffs. Um, because you, you have to be honest with yourself at, at, at some point and, and think that, that that defense will still be, I think, in the bottom third of the week. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings, uh, a team that got so close last season but just didn't have enough to get to the Super Bowl. Is this their year, then, that they accomplish that? Or is Green Bay or somebody else in the NFC, Philadelphia, the L.A. Rams, standing in their way? I, I think the one of the most exciting the, the, the division battles to watch is going to be Packers-Vikings. And... It's been that case, you know, you go back over the years when Brent Favre was on, well, either team. <laughs> it, was, it, was always, it was always great. And, but, but right now, if Rodgers stays healthy, um, you know, you've, you've got him, you know, you, you put Jimmy Graham in that offense. Of course, you had Cousins with, with the Vikings. Cook is back. Uh, the two of the, in, in my opinion, the best young receiving tandem in the league with, with the Vikings. And just an absolute dominant defense in in every facet uh, i i think the vikings have the the tools to to take the nfc north but you know really that that nemesis with the packers and rogers is is always looming it's just a matter of you know can inserting cousins into that offense with the weapons that are there if he can take what he did and what can he can that raise the level he was at in washington just that notch further right and and I think it can, and I'll be. It, it'll be a lot of fun to watch. Offensive line, they were banged up. They came out, ran the football very effectively against Denver uh, last weekend. The Broncos, uh, you talk about changing that defense. Looked like they had a long, long ways to go over on that one. But so, uh, you know, the Packers, the roster. We continue to talk about Aaron Rodgers, and and him alone can lead this team. But the rest of the roster has left a lot of people concerned over the last few years. How much better is that roster getting with all the defensive help that they've drafted the last couple of years? Is it rising up? Is the the rest of the Roger? It's never going to catch Aaron Rodgers, but but getting up there where it just doesn't have to all be on his shoulders. Yeah, I I think it's 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 getting there certainly. When you know the, the, there, there's the, that was a focus all year, and it, it's been the focus for a while. You need to be able to capitalize on Aaron Rodgers' prime years, and you never know. How quickly or how uh, how slowly a quarterback is going to age? He's in that gray area right now. He's he's not young. He's not old. He's he's thirty four. Um, so yeah, you you bring in Graham, who's who's got that great red zone presence. Uh, bring bring Adams back, of course. Um, de- defensively, it's just a matter of can I think can that secondary make even a moderate improvement really? Um, and I, I think you have the pass rush pieces there. You know it's. We just, it, it is, this is true for any team with a high-level quarterback, and I keep going back to it, but, you know, we saw what that team is without Rodgers. You just, you need to keep him 
upright and and you know minimize the hits you have on him and that that offensive line is uh you know that is the ultimate test for for that unit if if you can keep him from getting really whacked around then you know i i think that it, it has a championship potential that team but it, that's that's really what will uh you know de- de- define the packers season um when you take a look now at the NFC and the AFC is the in, in, in your eyes, which conference has the better overall teams, NFC or AFC? Uh, I I think it's yeah. I, the the AFC is so top heavy and and has been for a while. You know the the Patriots. You know they've been dominating since right. two thousand two. It feels like and you know, when you, when you look at them, they're they've never really been challenged in that division. Um, you know, but but then you know you you go beyond the Patriots, and I, I think the the AFC beyond about the top two to three teams, the AFC does does that pretty quickly. Um, the NFC, there's just so many, there's just so much question marks beyond. You know, you look at the NFC South, for for example, it's that's a really tough division. Uh, you know, Breeze is still playing at a very high level. Uh, if the, the Panthers can re- rebound to where they were. Uh, you know the the Falcons, of course, have have championship potential too. So that's all just within one division, right? Um, there, there's just there's so much competition. I think at the top of the NFC, um, it, it, that that is there. It, it's a very difficult conference to, to predict. Whereas I feel like every the end of August, every fall, we can sort of slot a couple teams into the the, the top of the NFC, and then there's just a you know think. Last year, the Titans squeaked and the playoffs right on it, and and uh, on a team it just didn't really feel like it should have been there, but they were there and they somehow won a playoff game. But but yeah, I I think the NFC is the 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 more interesting conference for sure. Sean Tomlinson, Bleacher Report, joining us here as he does all throughout football season. Sean, we are just about finished with the speculation and the look ahead. We got football coming right around the corner. Thanks as always for your time today. Anytime. Thanks so much, guys. Sean Tomlinson joining us here. Follow him on Twitter at Sean G. Tomlinson is where you can find his work, Jimmy B. Little preseason football tomorrow night gets going again. Did you did you see Hard Knocks? Did you get a glimpse of that last evening? I got a little glimpse of it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. I, I've I found it to be kind of refreshing. I think maybe because of Baker Mayfield and with Landry uh, there as well, and then what happened with Antonio Galloway and the coach uh, pretty much telling him we're really disappointed in you, and uh, it, I mean, it's, it, it's got some interesting facets in it, and I think maybe that's why it's more compelling than it has been in recent seasons. I haven't seen episode number two yet. That is on my agenda for tonight. Jim, coming up on the other side, we'll, we'll break down what we're watching in the world of sports this evening. Final timeout of the hour. Coming back on the other side with more, it's Jimmy B and TC. All right, back with you one final time. It's Jimmy B and TC, Trent Kine and Jim Brinson. We talk the world of sports with you. A fun show today, Jim. We had a, a lot going on. Rob Howe earlier in the program. Good talk mm-hmm. on the Hawkeyes with him. Derek Duke, we talked to some Big 12 football here. And, of course, the NFL there just a little bit ago with our buddy Sean Tomlinson. But, Jim, as I told you going into the break, didn't see hard knocks last night, so i got to find a way to squeeze that one in this evening. Excited to get to uh, episode number two on HBO. 
I won't uh, spoil your fun, pal. I did get a chance to watch some of it, and I think you'll find some uh, parts of it pretty compelling, just like the uh, the first episode. Mm-hmm. So episode two is is interesting as well. I think you'll get a kick out of uh, some of the things that takes place, uh, and and I think you'll find it. Um, how do how can I do this without giving everything away? Uh, the Antonio Galloway conversation is pretty good. I'll just okay. say that. Okay, so you'll have a chance to pick up on that. But I think I think you'll in, you'll enjoy it, and it, it's funny because uh, where in recent last couple of years it was okay, it's the same sort of stuff. Uh, coaches talk to players, players get cut, they leave. But this is this is totally different, I think, from the with the Browns being on it, just just because of the what the season they had without a win last year, and now what Hugh Jackson has, his coordinators in Gailey and Williams uh, go after each other. So I, I, I think you'll find it uh, uh, pretty entertaining when you get a chance to watch tonight. Good. Looking forward to that. That is on the agenda. Had the Cubs Brewers from this afternoon. The Twins, my Twins actually got a win today, Jimmy B. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, but uh, I, I'm not too excited about that. I know. Baseball-wise, though, coming up tonight, you know, Boston-Philly, not bad. Not and, bad, yeah. And you know what? Our early 6.35 is the first pitch. I got to go over to the Braves game and watch Ronald Acuna. That, that kid has been ridiculously yeah. good. He homers every game, Jim. It seems like it. I mean, it really does. It does seem like it. And if people, I mean, look, I, I'm sure Atlanta's not a, a big draw in the Midwest here because big, of the bigger Cubs cards. Th- bigger than you would bigger think, though, think. Jimmy B. TBS. Yeah. And, yeah, I know that. And the renaissance of the 90s. There's a lot of people in my age range, a lot of guys you know, in their 30s and early 40s that are Braves fans because, well, they were on all the time, coupled with, they were good during that time period. So yes, they were. You'd be surprised, Jimmy B, how many Braves okay. fans there are in this market. All right. Well, um, because you and I pay attention to them, there's no question. I am going to sample uh, Washington and St. Louis. St. Louis just finds ways to keep winning, mm-hmm. and and the poor Nationals just lose one game after the next with walkoffs. Uh, and Trent, I would be remiss. And I know we really didn't get into this particular topic earlier on in the show, but San Francisco and the Los Angeles Dodgers, yes. the Giants and the Dodgers. And Yasiel Puig last night getting into it um, again. Uh, he has a history of mixing it up with the Giants. They have bench clears. Uh, I, I always cracks me up the guys running in from the bullpen. For the most part, they're always there way too late. I don't know why they expend that energy, but okay, so be it. Uh, and it is it's the best rivalry on the West Coast, where Cubs cards is the best rivalry in the Midwest. And Yankees-Red Sox, the best rivalry in the East. And I was scratching my head, trying to figure out, is there any other rivalries in Major League Baseball that can even come close to those three? Or is baseball now just so regionalized that it just doesn't take place anymore? What, the the Raves-Marlins doesn't do that for you? <laughs> the the Astros Rangers right right <laughs> yeah, I, you know I, I no I mean that's it that's it 
that's that's it in Major League Baseball. Those three sectors of the country, the West Coast, Midwest, East Coast, and that's it, Trent. Everybody mm-hmm. else is just playing games. That's it. And there, there's individual rivalries that crop up. You know, for a while when the Rays were good, them and the Red Sox would go back and forth for a while. We've seen Baltimore and Boston get into it. You know, we, yeah. there, there was a time period where Cincinnati and St. Louis were going back and forth with each other. So they can crop up organically, but no, not the same kind of history. Those are kind of, I think, alone right. in their own level. Those three rivalries that you talked about take it to a different level, which is okay. You need those kind of things, too, I think, in baseball, and it makes it interesting. And if you're not a fan of those teams, makes those games more compelling. I'll, I'll certainly be keeping an eye on that one tonight. What other game? The Astros, who look to be cruising away with the American League West yeah. title. They have lost, what is it, seven games in a row now at home? Yes. Seven, eight yes. games and in Colo- a row. Colorado beat them last mm-hmm. night, and they play again tonight, and they're playing in Houston. And Colorado is a team now that has caught fire as well. So that one's worth a, at least a cursory glance to see if Houston can yes. end their long home losing streak that they have. And you mentioned the uh, the Cardinals that just keep finding ways against the Nats. And uh, another layer to make this, I think, a little bit more exciting for people on the local front. Jeremy Hellickson's going to be starting tonight uh-huh. for the Nationals. Yeah. I mean, that's that's always good when you got a local guy that you can kind of attach yourself to, and, and he's on the bump. So, uh, yes, there are, there are several games that uh, I will be spinning through uh, just because of different circumstances that are available in, in those games. For me, that's why I find it compelling, Trent. Tomorrow we'll get NFL football preseason week number two. The Packers, they'll be at home against the Steelers. The ESPN game is the Jets in Washington. Atlanta uh, hosting Kansas City on Friday night. And the Bears, Denver, also Jacksonville, Minnesota. That'll be the Saturday matchups with the local teams. Busy week upcoming, Jimmy B. We are getting our way through it. Wednesday in the books. How does it feel? It feels great, pal. Feels great. I, I can't wait till we get the football tomorrow night because then you can really sit down and relax. And the second game of the exhibition season, uh, the starters will play most likely at least the first quarter, not just a series or two. And you feel like you're starting to kind of get a better feel then of what those teams are going to look like. We'll talk about that all tomorrow and a whole lot more. Join us starting at noon. Myself and Ken Miller talk the world of sports. Ken, though he won't be here tomorrow, he'll be making his way back from his trip out to the West Coast. We'll talk with Ken on the program tomorrow from noon till 2. And then on your drive home, here with Jimmy B and TC from 4 until 6 o'clock. Thanks, everybody out there for listening in. Once again, enjoy your night in sports here on 1700 KBGG.